Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. Here we are back at the Bootcamp NOLA edition. We've had a great time uh, doing a diners, drive-ins, and dives tour of the city. We, uh, we man, we've hit up for those of you that know Nola Food. I'm just going to throw out a couple, just a few of the restaurants that we've hit up. For those of you that know what it's about, we hit up some Drago's Charbroiled Oysters. We hit up New Orleans Food and Spirits. We hit up Dat Dogs. We hit up Parkway Tavern. Po Boys, the second best Po Boys in the city. We were unfortunately unable to get the best Po Boys in the city from Krabby Jack's because we landed on a Sunday and they are closed on Sundays. But man, it has been an interesting time together in the Big Easy. Jimbo, a couple things. Number one, char-grilled oysters will change your life.com. Amen. I love those. Those are, I've never had those before. That's probably been, I would say, the favorite, as of right now, the favorite New Orleans food. Mm-hmm. And I'd also have to say this. I'm about shrimped out. <laughs> I think I'm done, Jimbo. I think I'm done. So we're wrapping up a fantastic couple of days here. Man, we made some good connections with our Korean uh, brothers. Yeah. And uh, I met a guy here in the, the Send It Network Center uh, that I grew up with, um, a guy named Darren Garten, who's doing some replanting and planting in Indiana. Yeah. We talked, uh, we met uh, Jamie Dew, the president of NOBTS. And uh, man, this is a really good school, Jimbo. I, I haven't been here in a long time, but it's really cool to be back at New Orleans. Nola's where it's at. This is our full endorsement. We uh, would tell you, no, it's been a it's been a really great time. We've had a very productive, and I would say joy giving time. We got three new friends yeah. out of this time that we've been had with the Koreans. And uh, one of the things that we learned about Korean culture when we were talking about church revitalization is there there's a shame part of the culture that makes it hard for pastors to want to have the church revitalization conversation. But here's what we realized is, I don't think that's uniquely Korean. It may be more intense in that context. But Bob, I have encountered a lot of pastors that are Anglo or African-American or Hispanic that struggle with some of the same issues of part of the reason they may not ask for help in a church revitalization is the shame of they feel like a failure. Absolutely. And here's the deal. We tie our value into what we can achieve. And as pastors, we tie our value into, is the church growing numerically primarily, right? Are there more people here than last year? Do we have more resources? Do we have more gadgets? How's our website look? I mean, just on and on and on. Those are all external things mm-hmm. that are independent of the spiritual work that goes on inside a person's heart. And the reality is, because we're we're imperfect, we're sinful. We value we we base our value on those things, and we really need to go back to the gospel and understand that we've done nothing to earn our salvation, to earn God's acceptance. That Christ has done all that for us. So we really have to rest our identity and our confidence and our security, not in the things that we can achieve, which 
you know, Jimbo, I've known some really, really sharp guys that have that are good, godly men that are good leaders and pastors, but they get called to a situation in a church. And Jimbo, I don't think anybody could be successful mm-hmm. in, in certain situations. And then they'll move to another one. And you know what? They're successful in that one. So sometimes in some places, in some context, you just are going to run into things. And here's the reality that you and I both know. In a replant, that is like a hundred million percent more likely. That yes, that you're going to struggle to have success. Yes. I don't know outside of like a campus adoption merger situation, a replant that just explodes. There are not many; those are outliers. No, it's it's a very rare experience, and part of that is the spiritual warfare piece of that. You're as our boss claims in his book, Reclaiming Glory. You can't reclaim the glory of a dying church and make it missional again without creating spiritual warfare opportunities that the the devil's not going to sit by and just let that happen. He's always going to step in. And so part of it is you just have to recognize one, like if your church is struggling, Hey man, welcome to the team. Absolutely. Everybody's church is struggling. The guy's church that you think isn't struggling is struggling. It's just not struggling in the same exact way that your church is struggling. And it, and it may look, it's kind of like, it's kind of like when you look at somebody's life on Facebook and you think, man, that guy has such a great life. I mean, all you're seeing are those moments that they choose to put on social media. And it's the same thing when you're with a guy and maybe he's in a great season. Maybe it is a great season and maybe he's getting to reap that. But maybe that's not what God's called you to do. Sure. Maybe God's called you to go through a hard, hard season and what success looks like is faithfully doing what he's called you to do in that moment, shepherding that moment. Permission to use a football analogy? Go right ahead, I guess. I I feel like this could go a direction that I thought we were moving on. Not going to talk about it anymore. I'm not going to, I'm not going to bring up that. Arkansas LSU game just yet. But just yet. This is I want to use a professional football illustration. So, okay. so I don't know about you, but I, and I think I've shared this on a podcast before. Like Tom Brady in his success is always admirable, right? I mean, it's just the unbelievable, right? But he's the kind of guy that I just root against. Yeah, he's like got the he's you look at him and you're thinking that guy's just too perfect in every way. He's got the perfect life, the football team. He, he looks amazing for his age. He's got a beautiful, you know, family, et cetera. And we just got to root against that guy, right? Because he is not average <laughs> me or anybody. And so, you know, even Tom Brady's got difficulties. Let's take a guy like Matt Stafford, you know, Matthew Stafford, that was a quarterback for the Lions. Mm-hmm. His stats have always been good. He's, you know, a really solid player. But, man, he plays on the Lions. And, Jimbo, I don't think the Lions are ever going to win another, like, <laughs> game, not much less ever be in the playoffs. I just don't think it's ever going to happen, right? I'm not a Lions fan, but, I mean, it's just that's a reality. But Matt Stafford, where's he playing right now? He's playing for the Los Angeles Rams. And, yes, I'm still bitter that the Rams got janked out of uh, – St. Louis, but we just won a yeah. big lawsuit. Uh, we've got $790 million coming to St. Louis. Cha-ching. That we're all going to fight about for years. Of course. How, how what happens with it. But Matt Stafford's in a new environment. And you know what, Jimbo? He's being very successful. Yeah. And, and people are looking. So uh, what I want to say is, like, you're exactly right. The guy that we think um, could just land anywhere and be successful, it's always not, that's not always true. And maybe the environment that you're in for, for right now or for this season or for this, th- this time in your ministry career is just a tough one. But it's shaping you and forming you. And success, I love what Jared Wilson says, success is faithfulness, mm-hmm. right? And 
success is when the Lord sanctifies you and makes you more like Jesus. And I think, and I don't recall, you might've mentioned this in the training, the Lord's probably not going to ask us how big our church was. He's going to ask us if we were faithful. Yeah, I think a great resource that I've recommended on here before, I believe, is Kent Hughes' Liberating Ministry from the Success Syndrome, which is a great book. Uh, Kent talks about how he planted a church at the height of the church growth, church planting movement, and he did it completely by the playbook. I mean, they did the homogeneous unit principle and yeah. figured out exactly which neighborhood he was most wired to be able to attract. He crafted his sermons well. If you've ever heard Kent Hughes preach, he's a good, solid preacher. Uh, he, and he talks about it in the book how they did everything the way that the playbook said to do it. And it didn't work. <laughs> and, and so he really struggled with this a feeling of failure. And I want to tell you, there's something very sanctifying about that moment. Yes. And you need to experience that moment. And maybe that's what God is doing. And maybe as you experience failure or what seems like failure to you, maybe it isn't failure. It really may not be, but maybe it is. And if it is, why is the Lord letting you experience that? Maybe it's for your sanctification. Maybe you have messed up. We've had a whole series of episodes on here called Stupid Stuff We Did. <laughs> we got to do another one. We got to do another one. And so, so maybe, maybe you do need to own that you've made some mistakes, but here's what you need to know. It's not completely your fault. Mm -hmm. If this thing falls apart, it's not completely your fault. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like when we watch a football game. All right, here we go. Okay, you watch a football game, and let's say... Arkansas versus LSU. Let's say your team loses by three points, and they missed a field goal. Let's just say your, your kicker missed a field goal. There's a tendency for most fans to go, it's the kicker's fault. He missed the field goal. That's why we lost. And maybe it's that last second moment, and he needed to get it or whatever, and you miss that. You miss the two-point conversion, whatever it was, and you you think that last play, you think of that last play, the last opportunity to score, or that big missed opportunity in the game, and it's easy as a fan to get mad and just go, it's that one moment. That's the whole thing. But if you were honest and you took the game film and you really analyzed the game film, you would see that they were missed tackles. You would see that they were missed blocks. You'd see that they were dropped passes that should have been caught. You see there were overthrown passes that should have been caught. There were penalties that changed the trajectory of momentum or possession of the field, uh, position on the field, all those things, right? And you really would have to take all of that into factor and account to actually figure out why you lost the game. Here's the deal. I don't know if that would be a beneficial thing to do in ministry. Do you really want to do that deep dive of, of an autopsy on, on why things aren't going the way you think they should go? Well, maybe if you're writing a book called Autopsy of a Deceased Church. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so maybe if you're writing a book, but if you're, if you're not writing a book, then I don't know. <laughs> you ask the question. <laughs> you ask it, so. I don't know how, I don't know how helpful it's going to be. Well, it's not helpful to, here's who it's not helpful to, Jimbo. It's not helpful to the replanter, okay? Mm -hmm. And especially the replanter who is struggling with confidence and feeling like a failure. And here's what I want to say. Every, this is true of every pastor. Every pastor 
feels like a failure at some point. Yeah. And I want to say this, that is absolutely necessity. It's a necessity and that is a good thing. Yeah. And here's why. Um, I, you and I have both met pastors who have, uh, they've never failed. And I don't know if we were having this conversation recently uh, or uh, if I was having this conversation with Barb, but I, I think that, oh, it was us. We were having this conversation uh, and, and we were just making an observation. Uh, and I, I just said, you know what? My, my impression is um, that the particular individual we were just kind of having a chat about was like, I don't, I think they've always been successful. Right. And here's the, here's the, here's the good part of that. It's great to always be successful. Here's the bad part of it. You start to believe in yourself more than you believe in, in mm -hmm. your need for God. Mm -hmm. And I love this book. Here's another book I want to recommend. Um, there's a book called uh, Leading with a Limp by Dan Allender. Mm -hmm. Fantastic book. And uh, Allender's a great writer. He's a great storyteller. And his whole point in that book is every leader that God uses has been shaped and marred in such a way by life and his experience that the limp that he lead, that he walks with, he he depends on God because he walks with the limp. So he's telling the story of Jacob, right? So he's, you know, Jacob wrestles all night with the angel. The angel touches his socket and he forever walks with the limp. Jimbo, the failures in our life are sanctifying uh, touches of God that cause us to lead with the limp, that cause us not to be arrogant, cocky, self-assured, but God-dependent. And here's what I, I, I will, I love to hang out with the humble, limping leader mm -hmm. who has a confidence in God mm -hmm. that's based not on their circumstances or their their points on the scoreboard. Because I, I feel like that's a guy I can relate to. That's a guy I have connection with. That's a person who um, gets me and I get them. And so I, I think that's something that I just want to say, look, if you're in a season where you feel like you're wrestling with the Lord and things aren't being successful, can can you just let the work of that do do uh, something in your life to cause you to be more dependent upon Jesus and less dependent upon yourself? Because uh, the reality is every pastor that you would ever see at any kind of conference, replanter event, associational event, every single one of those pastors in some way feels like they have failed or, or not done well. And the ones that are acting all arrogant and confident and cocky just either haven't failed yet or they're trying to overcompensate. Mm -hmm. right? And and so what I appreciate about the guys I know, there's a deep fellowship of of some brothers who are just aware of, of our limp, right? And aware of our failures. And that really shapes us in a way, I think, that allows God to move more significantly in, our, in us and through us. There's something, yeah, that I, I'm so convinced that God works so much more through you when you're humble than when you're full of yourself. And that whole needing to experience failure part was a part of my story, as we've discussed before, that before going into replanting, the ministry experiences I had had in youth and college ministry had, had been numerically successful on every measurable front. Uh, in raising up volunteers and seeing salvations in numeric growth and church involvement and people called to ministry. And so when I got my first taste of just epic failure, man, it, it was hard. It was a hard pill to swallow, mm -hmm. but I'll tell you, and Audria will tell you, and I think people who have known me before and after that moment will tell you, uh, I grew a lot. Mm -hmm. I mean, I grew a lot in that moment that, and I, I honestly, to this day, cherish that season. 
Now, I prefer to never go through it again. <laughs> that, that was really hard. But I feel like I have a sweeter and deeper relationship with the Lord yeah, because of what I experienced in that season. Now, also one of the things that it did for me is it had it, it made me not only seek the Lord in prayer and in study of the word, but in wise counsel. Mm-hmm. And man, more than ever in my life, and I've always been somebody that kind of tries to seek out mentors and people to learn from. But I poured gas on that fire, mm-hmm. man. <laughs> I thought, okay, I got to get some wise counsel in my life, in my marriage, in in every aspect of my life right now. I, I feel like I need some outside perspective and, and, and insight. And so, man, I started reading what I could read. I started interviewing people, taking people to lunch, taking people to coffee, talking to them, calling them, emailing them, whatever I could do, however I could learn and trying to figure out what to do with that information. Uh, and so... I think it's important in that moment to understand that we need to learn from others and look to learn from others. Yeah, if, if we can't learn from other people, the, the challenge for us is we're, we're going to struggle in life uh, and, and struggle regularly. So I, I think that learning lessons, particularly from people who have struggled and failed, uh, learning from those who have gone through a similar experience that you have in in your life in really not doing well in ministry and wrestling they're going to give you information that will help you uh, understand how to navigate it and then how to survive it and then i think also more importantly what they'll what what that'll help you do is it will help you understand p- perhaps what god is doing in your life and how god is changing you and shaping you into who he wants you to be. So the wisdom thing is is a great thing to understand and pursue. And God commands us, uh, calls us to pursue wisdom and, and to go after it. And I know you have a favorite verse uh, from Proverbs that talks about wisdom and, and the necessity for it in our life. I, I love it because it's the simplest wisdom I've ever heard in my life. Yes. The beginning of wisdom is this. Are you ready, Bob? I'm that's, ready. That's such a great introduction. The beginning of wisdom the start, the, the how do you get it? Where do you go to it? What do you do? The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Yes. That's it. That's, that's the beginning of wisdom. And then it says, and whatever you get, get insight. Yeah. And that's where you need those outside voices to be able to speak into you and help you have a greater self-awareness so that you can grow and be dependent on the Lord. And so here's one of the main things we want you to know, Pastor. There will be a temptation for you to feel shame because your ministry is not as successful as you think it's supposed to be. We had dinner with a guy that was talking about how a church that we know of that before COVID was 450, about was starting to trend towards 500, growing uh, one of the one of the healthier churches in, the, in that community. And now after COVID, they're about 150, maybe 200 on a really good Sunday, mm-hmm. but usually not there. And and that's, that's a pretty large percentage drop. Huge. And here's what I tell you. We also know from talking to other people in that community, it's one of the better churches in that community. <laughs> right? And so I'm sure there are moments where it's tempting to think, man, we failed. We yeah. failed. And to feel shame about that, to to be nervous about who you are and, and, and lose that contentment and confidence that we get in the Lord. Listen to me, Pastor. That shame is a lie from the devil. It is. Jesus died for the church. It's not your job to die for the church. Mm-hmm. And it's not your job 
to produce results. Mm-hmm. I don't care who you read, who you talk to that tells you that you have to produce results. I kind of get frustrated with the statement people say, uh, well, healthy things grow. You know what else grows? Cancer. Mm-hmm. My belly. <laughs> My bad attitude. <laughs> My bad attitude. A lot of things can grow. Yeah. Growing is, is not a foolproof indicator right. of health. Right. Jimbo, hair in our ears can grow as well. And no, we, nobody wants that. Ain't nobody nobody wants that. hair yeah. in your ears. <laughs> no, all, kind, all kinds of things can grow. <laughs> Growth does not mean health. Now, that doesn't mean you get to get lazy and just go, okay, well, I'm just going to be faithful. I'm just going to preach the word. Yeah. And that's all I'm going to do. Uh, no, you need to do the the hard work of the hardworking farmer. Mm-hmm. You need to till the soil. You need to sow the seeds. You need to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. You do have work and it is work. And it, it, even you look at, it's not works based or anything like that. But if you look at Ephesians 4, a passage we bring out all the time on here, mm-hmm. it says equip saints to do what? The work. Yeah. Well, we equip them partially by leading by example. Yeah. So we got to do the work. So don't be lazy, but also you cannot sit in shame. And so listen to me. I hope I hope this is divine timing for you as you're listening to this. I love uh, just the farmer analogy. So uh, what what I think about is, um, you know, Paul talking about how. Um, there, there's a there's a planter of the seed, there's a waterer of the seed, mm-hmm. but who gives the harvest, right? Well, it's God. God brings in the harvest, right? He's the one that causes it to grow and, and causes the harvest to happen. So what I would say is your faithfulness could be planting seed, could be watering seed, and sometimes God might use you to bring in the harvest. Um, everybody that brings in the harvest gets the glory, and that's what we all want, right? We all want the harvest. But the harvest is is the Lord's responsibility and the Lord's call to send us in, in the field. Now, Jesus said the fields are wide into the harvest, so there's always opportunity for us to harvest, and we should always pursue it and seek it. But we also have to realize that maybe a season in our life where we're planting or watering, but even before you can plant, what do you got to do? You got to till the ground, mm-hmm. and you got to break it up. And so we know there's some replanters out there, and guys, here's what we know. Um, it's you, You're in hard soil, and you're struggling, and you're breaking up hard ground. And so keep doing it, uh, keep being faithful and let the Lord give you the energy to, to do the work and rely on him and then take the small wins and celebrate the small wins when those come. I think sometimes we're looking for God to give us a Moses moment mm-hmm. where we get to split the Red Sea, where we get to bring han- manna down from heaven, we get to strike the rock, we get to go up on the mountain, we get to do all these things, right? when a lot of times God's called us to an Esther and a Mordecai moment. And it's just this mundane, everyday faithfulness, obedience that God uses to eventually bring great redemption for his people. And you may not know, and you may not get to know this side of glory, what God has done with your faithfulness. Mm-hmm. You just may not know. I'll tell one last story and we'll come to a close and I'll go put on my hog hat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> One of my elders at Redemption is a battalion chief in the fire department. Now, Jacksonville is a really big city. And so battalion chiefs get divided. The city gets divided in half and each half gets battalion chiefs. So there's this other fireman on the other side of the city that he hasn't talked to in 20 years. 
season every once in a while, but they've they've not they've not worked together in twenty something years. Well, he runs into the guy about a year ago, and the guy tells him, "Hey man, I want you to know, I'm a believer now, and I go to church, and I'm leading at church, and I'm sharing the gospel with my family and my friends, and I'm seeing some of them come to saving faith." And a lot of that started 20-something years ago when on shift, you shared the gospel with me. He forgot he'd even done that, right? And so this incredible moment happens in this guy's life from 20-something years prior. Now, he got the good fortune of getting to hear that story. You may not get to hear the other side of that story. You may not know, but know that you have no shame to sit in. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, and that includes in your ministry effectiveness or your perceived ministry effectiveness. You're not the one who actually gets to grade that. You're not the one who gets to make that evaluation. You should set goals. You should evaluate if you're trying to do things, but you don't get to evaluate if you're a failure or a success. Yep. The Lord gets to do that. Yep. And you'll stand before him one day, and you'll hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Not because you grew it numerically, not because the budget was what it needed to be, because you were faithful in what God called you to do. Our definition of success is often so short-sighted from what the Lord views as successful. And and I think we're going to be surprised at the end of all time (laughs) when the Lord pats on the back some guys and says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. (laughs) We'll be like, that guy? And the Lord will say, yep, that guy. Yeah. All right. I'm going to go put on a hog hat, eat some pizza, hang out with some seminary students, talk about revitalization, replanting, and then we're going to get some beignets, cap this whole thing off right. Awesome. New Orleans, it's been real. We loved it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.